In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Oh my gosh, that gospel reading was as long as my sermon. I feel like you've been a little bit short-changed, people. Because if they had read six more verses, you could have the entire chapter. So there's six more to go. You might want to go home and check it out at the end of gospel. Uh, John 21, chapter 21. So what do you do when you see a whole big chapter sitting there um, when you go to prepare a sermon? Because there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff in the last chapter of the Gospel of John. There is so much in that chapter that you just heard, and the last six verses are good too, um, that where do you go? How do you start a sermon? So as I explored this whole massive reading, um, that process of engaging with that chapter of John became my sermon. You know, in Christianity, we use scripture in various ways. Scripture lays out the narrative. And within the narrative, what is written, the nature of God, what God does, how God does it, who and whom God works through in that narrative, all these things give us inklings as to what God is like. When we add historical knowledge of the time, we deepen our understanding of what we read in Scripture. Understanding the context of the event helps us to more fully appreciate what's going on and maybe why the characters are acting as they are. Now much of this just happens in our brains as we read or hear the familiar words of the Bible. They're all facets of comprehension. And as our comprehension slowly grows as to the nature of God, that comprehension is reflected in how we live our lives, in the choices that we make, in how we relate to each other and to all of creation. That's how scripture informs our choices. That's how reading scripture guides our actions in the present. Theological reflection is the application of our understanding of God to our lives. Theological reflection is what the church seeks to spark in each one of us through the words of our songs, in our prayers, through our readings and our sermons, and through our participation in word and action in the communion service. Theological reflection is what we enter into when we seek application to our lives of Scripture beyond what, is printed, what the printed words of Scripture proclaim. So faced with the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John, as I went to write my sermon, this is what happened. So, the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John is kind of interesting because most scholars see it as an independent account added on to the back of the Gospel. Right? Because if you look at the end of chapter 20, chapter 20 ends with, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Well, stop. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing in him, you may have life in his name. The end, it's ended. And then you turn the page and chapter 21 and it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. 
It's got the add-on feel. But interestingly, in every ancient text that we have, full text that we have, 21 is there. So it may well be an added end or an additional end, but it's always been the added additional end. Okay, so no doubts that that's all. We've always had chapter 21. So in chapter 21 of John, there's a huge amount of contact. It begins with a failed overnight fishing trip. Then you get to Jesus as an unrecognised stranger on the shore. Then there is a miraculous catch of 153 fish. There is the recognition of Jesus. Then there is breakfast with Jesus, followed by Peter's discourse with Jesus, and that's where our reading ended today. And the last bits that you missed, on, missed out on is Jesus' discussion with Peter about John. Okay? Lots and lots and lots of stuff there, like sermon, just fantastic stuff. So where do you start? Well, I started at the beginning. So, verse 3, Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. After daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, do you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it up because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, it's probably a sermon in that, and jumped into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only a hundred yards off. Okay, so what did I see when I looked at that block of scripture? Peter and some of the others have gone fishing in a boat with nets. They have fished all night. They caught nothing. Outside of what is written there, what else can I know? Well, I know that Simon and some of the others were actually fishermen. We remember that from the beginning of the story. They were fishermen in Galilee. Now, I know from other times that I've looked at this, that the Sea of Tiberias is another name for the Sea of Galilee. Now, then Wikipedia told me that the Sea of Galilee is only 21 kilometres long at its length, at longest point, and 13k wide at its widest point. So that's only about a third of the size of Lake Taupo, the Sea of Galilee. So there's these fishermen. A fisherman from the Sea of Galilee, it's not a very big piece of water. So, I now have Peter and a, disciples, a crew of disciples. And it seems to me they have the knowledge of where they are. They know how to fish. They've got the equipment, a boat, nets and crew. They certainly have perseverance and determination. But that hasn't made any difference on this time, because there's no fish. So, what else when it's added into right knowledge, right equipment, perseverance and determination? What changes the story from a no fish story to a 153 fish story? Jesus. Excellent. When preparing a sermon, finding Jesus at the centre of the story is always really good. Okay, great content. 
So now, what does this reading show me about Jesus? Well, at first, they don't recognise Jesus. Where is Jesus? Jesus is on the shore. Where are the disciples? They're in the boat with no fish. So how does Jesus change what is going on here? He tells them to fish on the other side of, on the other side of the boat. Oops, that's me. He doesn't tell them to fish on the other side. He says, try the right side. Does that mean they were fishing on the left side? It doesn't say that they were. But anyway, just out of interest, I think, I wonder how big a change that would be to move from supposedly, potentially, perhaps the left side, to definitely the right side. How big a video was that? Well, Wikipedia told me that they found a boat from that period of time, historically, they excavated that boat, and that boat, that fishing boat from Galilee, from Jesus' time, was about eight metres long, by about two and a half metres wide. So what's that? It's about eight metres, whatever, two and a half, one, two and a bit. So it's not very wide, okay? Left to right, not very wide. Okay. So maybe, now that I know that, maybe I can conclude that the application of existing knowledge, existing equipment, by the same crew, in the same way, two and a half metres over there, is the difference between no fish and 153 fish. But hang on. When they make the change, have they recognised Jesus yet? No. So, they get a suggestion from a stranger on the shore, and they act on it. I wonder how I'd think if I was, uh, how I'd be feeling if I was one of those crew. Fished all night, no fish. Near the shore and it's in the morning. I hadn't noted the time of the day, so they've been out all night. So maybe they're getting to the end, they're kind of over it. Time to come ashore, tired, wet, grumpy, frustrated. I don't think I would have responded positively to the suggestion from the stranger on the shore to cast the net over there because there's some fish over there. But they respond. And when they do, the story goes from a no-fish story to a 153-fish story. Wow, fantastic. It's only the first six verses. I've only got 19 more verses to go, and oh, my sermon time's up. Sorry. I began talking about theological reflection. The application of our understanding of God to our lives, where the comprehension of God we acquire through reading the scriptures informs our choices and guides our actions in the present. So reflectively, what have I learnt about God in these first six verses or so of the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John? Well, how about be prepared to hear Jesus' guidance from someone that I don't at first recognise as Jesus? How about be prepared to hear Jesus' guidance from someone who I don't recognise as Jesus from somewhere outside of the crew that I'm working with? From a place I'm not expecting Jesus to be? Well, there's a big idea. And I'm really liking the idea 
that at the direction of Jesus, it's only a small redirection of the same people with the same tools of the same effort, being the difference between no fish and 153 fish. I'm, I'm taking comfort in that. I like that. Those things seem like very good things for me to theologically reflect on from the first six verses of the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. Sadly, breakfast with Jesus, Peter's discourse with Jesus, and Jesus' discourse about John, well, they're just going to have to wait for another sermon. Amen.